Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. Hello, hello to everybody. Now you're locked into episode three of Flower Hour. I'm going to be joined today, thank God, by the Free Black University, a project hoping to decolonize the curriculum and more. So I'm excited to have them on today. So hopefully get everyone to jump in and join and look forward to this conversation I'm going to be having. So, yeah, let's see they're in. Take a request. Got my tea because I believe this one is going to be a good one. It's going to be good to discuss and a lot more. Let me let them know to send a request. Wait for everyone to trickle in. seen it <laughs> how can jeffrey say lockdown trim in this economy perfect here we yeah yes. how are you oh, i'm well man i'm well i'm tired it's been a busy busy day but i'm good how you doing i'm good too you know Busy day as well. Did a little bit of training. Um, just been looking forward to having this conversation. I think it's a conversation that my audience, your audience need to hear. Everyone just needs to be able to lock into, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Now I'm looking forward to it too. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everybody watching and everybody listening, most importantly. Okay. <clears throat> so my name is Mels. My pronouns are they, them. I'm the founder of the Free Black University. I'm, uh, I do a lot of things. I'm a PhD student about to start at Cambridge. Um, I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of facilitation all around like, social justice. I'm also a part of Black Lives Matter UK. Okay, that's amazing. What's your PhD going to hopefully be in? So, not hopefully. <laughs> well, maybe I'm projecting because I'm hoping I can do my PhD at some point. What will your PhD be in? My PhD is going to look at the relationship between social justice and epistemic justice. So epistemic justice being what does justice look like in the production of knowledge? And then obviously social justice being what is justice in society and looking at the relationship between the two and whether we can ever have justice within society if we don't have justice and essentially transform a relationship to knowledge itself. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm looking forward to reading that paper when it drops. <laughs> 2023, <Like>, yeah? <laughs> boy, that's a long time, but I think I should wait for that. But no, um, I'm going to, again, leave the floor to you to introduce, you know, what the Free Black University is, because I've read into it. I hope people have had the time to also read into it. So, yeah, I'm going to let you drop that. Can you introduce yourself first? Because people on my page don't know who you are. You know what's mad? You're the first person to ask me to introduce myself. Okay, <laughs> cool. I'll introduce myself. Um, my name is Sean Flores. Um, 
finished my master's in race, media, and social justice. So I wrote my dissertation on the Black Panther movie and looked at the relationship and whether it can be seen as a radical movie in some sorts. Um, currently, I'm studying journalism at the moment. Not too sure if I like it, but I'm kind of learning new skills and I'm taking it away. Um, I model every now and then, I'm trying to jump back onto that, but there's other stuff that I really want to do. But um, at the moment, I'm starting this Instagram live series, Flower Hour. So I'm just looking at dissecting things, having conversations with people, connecting audiences, you know, that sort of thing. And just I'm willing to learn. And as I'm going on my own journey as a young black man, I just want to connect other people with people that are going. So, yeah. I feel that, I feel that. And so the Black Panther movie, was it, was it radical? Was it revolutionary? See, I personally loved the movie and I took a lot away from the movie where I think my favourite character of all had to be Killmonger. I think Killmonger, Killmonger represented very much the African-American that was left behind, you know, um, people that let go of him. And I think I remember from the movie when he said he was the light, he was the truth that I chose to admit. And when you look at certain things such as bury me in the ocean for my ancestors knew that death was greater than bondage. I remember when mm -hmm. I sat in the cinema, that line sat with me more than anything else. Yeah. I'll never forget that. So I, I, I would say it was radical in the space that it was, but I think anything that's within Hollywood still is somewhat undermined in some aspects. And I think the representation of African culture was positive, but of course it was very generic, very um, stereotyped, but it's hard to be able to work outside of the box when Hollywood is a box within itself. What did you think of Black Panther? I thought it was a good film. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a nice film. Um, but I guess my like main kind of issue with it was the idea of I guess what would be called as like modernity or like what is modern and this idea that for Africa to be like popping it had to be like ahead of time in relation yeah. to to the West in it and just the kind of value judgments that are placed on on like technology etc etc um and so like why can't Africa be like popping even if like that technology wasn't like produced through like metals and science, et cetera. Like if we were valuing different knowledge systems, different ways of producing knowledge and that kind of, that kind of stuff, you feel me? Yeah, I could be here on Black Pan for all day. I wrote, <laughs> how many words? I wrote 10,000 words on it, you know? I could be on that. <laughs> but um, before we get sidetracked, yeah, tell us all about what your, um, movement is with the Free Black um, University project. Yes, yes. So the Free Black University is a project where, at the heart of it, it is to bring education to to the masses, essentially. And that education, whilst whilst the education that is like built up in in these institutions is like inherently white, inherently like hetero, etc., etc., sexist and whatnot. The heart of the Free Black University is to bring education that is, from its heart, decolonial, revolutionary, um, queer, feminist, trans, black, etc., to the masses. And within that project, where we really want to support like the black community specifically and support black students specifically. 
um, black students are going to universities all up and down the world and like experiencing trauma, being traumatized by these spaces, not being able to like, people go to university and then they won't be able to open a book after university because the, the experience was so traumatizing, isn't it? And education should never be like that. Education should be free and it should be liberating. You should be able to open up your mind to this massive imagination and shit. Like, so the free black university is trying to bring that to the community and pairing the idea of like healing as a community with the idea of like radical knowledge production and seeing us, seeing all of ourselves as people that, produce, that can produce knowledge. And as opposed to like, you have to be like a specific kind of person in a specific kind of place to, to be able to produce any sort of valid knowledge. Like, nah, it's bringing that, it's, it's, it's just trying to break the chains of knowledge production in every sense, in it? If that makes sense. <laughs> no, that does make sense. And um, while you were saying that, I was getting a little um, intellectual orgasm seeing all your books in the background. That's my kind yeah. of heaven. And I think my my very first question to you is, you know, when we think of PTSD, not many of us associated with the experience of university. And um, recently, Misha B, for example, she came out and said that she went through um, PTSD during her time on X Factor. And um, how will the free black university navigate all those nuances between trans, between feminism, between, you know, um, Black Lives Matter, black men, black women? How are we going to realistically and tangibly navigate those spaces to allow everybody a freedom in which everybody can be liberated. I hear that. So my personal approach here is that whilst I don't know if this is what you were, like kind of meant, but like obviously the nuances within the black community are of course like there may be some people that aren't feminists or aren't like supporting trans movement, etc. etc. And that's why the free black university we flip the script like what we're saying is at our center if 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 you're not for trans lives if you're not for queer lives if you're not for the lives of black women then this is not the space for you <laughs> unfortunately and so it's not like we're trying to get everybody if if you don't agree with the fact that we are at our very heart and at our very soul um a movement that centers the lives of the most marginalized black people then unfortunately like this isn't a movement for you in it and we do that with the intention of transforming like our society as a collective, innit? And recognizing that, especially that all of these ideas of like homophobia, it's all Western ideas, innit? And if they, if people try engage with like our content, they'll recognize those things. And like, there's gonna be a lot about pre-colonial belief systems, pre-colonial spiritualities, pre-colonial ideas and understandings of self, of each other, and all of those kind of things. And then we'll see how much of like the hatred in our communities is a part of the production of like Western capitalist, like individualistic atomized society. Okay. Mm. And that's a very that's a very in-depth answer. And I think um I would love to believe that would be able to be possible. And I think as a community and as you're right, as a collective, we should be able to move forward and um heal holistically. And I find typically as a community sometimes we end up fighting with each other more than we do upliftment and i suppose as you said a lot of it comes from a western thought process um western doctrines um and even in some parts westernized religion and um yeah, I want to, you know, a lot yeah 
I could go into, again, religion is something I could go into all day. And I think another one of my questions that I've got to ask you is, as you want it to be an all-inclusive movement and a movement that includes everyone, how will that be practiced as well? Mm. Um, I guess the, there's the nuance between like a that includes like the most marginalised um, black and queer folk. You've frozen. I don't know if I have as well. Have I frozen? Like, I can see you, but it's frozen. Okay. Oh, seen, seen, seen. All right, let me just... I hope so. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. No, I can hear you. If anyone has any questions as well, jump in, throw questions in the question box. We're hoping to make it a really engaging conversation and we are back Bang. yeah so was about that could I, could I couldn't see shit um, no, it's okay. so, <laughs> so yeah the nuance between um including everybody and being for like the most marginalized people and the whole like the team at our heart is a team that is of like queer black women and non-binary people and so it's 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 in our identity it's in our in our nature to to center our voices in it and so with that it's gonna it's the heart of the project the everything that we share everything that we um everything that we extend is gonna be of like a queer feminist mandate essentially Okay. And I, I, from what I'm aware that, um, for example, Black Lives Matter movement was started by three black queer feminists. Yeah. If black I'm correct. Yeah. And not many people are actually aware of that. Um, mm -hmm. And that says a lot about the power that we have in the very much the movement itself. And um, I was reading earlier today that there was a study that black students are more likely to engage and participate in their university studies, yet the attainment gap is still high. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what do you believe the reasons are for that attainment gap? And do, I obviously, I'm going to presume that the Free Black University wants to be able to close that gap. And how will you be able to close that gap, do you believe? Um, I guess, obviously, <laughs> the, the purpose of the Free Black University isn't to close the attainment gap. Whilst it's a, perp it's a reason that it should exist, inherently, we hold that like the Western university education system is not fit for purpose. Um, and so with that being said, like the attainment gap exists for a, a multitude of reasons, like from the whiteness of the curriculum, which is inherently like violent and harmful to, to students of color, um, especially black students from the poor mental health provision that is at the university, from the conditions at the university that require um, black students and students of color to need um, mental health support. Racist, like there's there's so many there's so many levels. But I think one of one of the key things that is often like omitted is like 
the fact that it is just the university themselves, isn't it? Because it's so much easier for them to just be like, oh, yeah, these students are working hard enough, these students aren't doing that, these students. But it's recognising that, oh, your curriculum is inherently, like, racist. That's that's probably why the entertainment gap exists. Like, your, the whole teaching staff is white. Like, this, this is probably, like, adding to the issue. That kind of thing. Like, we know that we make up 3.3% of the population and... Um with the recent events recently that Cecil Rhodes hopefully will be taken down by um, Oxford um, Council. We know that Edward Colson was taken down, but he was also taken out of the harbour. We know Robert Mulligan was also taken out as well. These statues are coming down and what the Free Black University proposes is extremely radical in the sense of we can't think of something tangible except until someone like yourself has put it out there. And I know you've raised, 50, I think it's 55,000 of your um, two quarter of a million, 250,000 goal. And you're getting closer and you're getting closer. And evidently, there's a demand for a Black-centred um, curriculum, Black-centred education, Black-centred universities, Black counsellors and all these sorts of things. And how, when do you believe that the Black University will be, will be up and running for those who would like to attend? Mm. I think it's it's going to be a phased process. So there's going to be things that we're going to hopefully be getting out from um, the next few months. So like the podcast aspect of the work. Um, we're building a library right now. It's going to be a phased process. So hopefully the lectures, we're actually having a discussion about this today. And I was like, <laughs> one of the people in the team was like, do you think the lectures can be out by September? I said maybe January. But it all really depends on how much we raise, how quickly we raise the money. Um, and being able to, because it's important to know the kind of how much we'll have to be able to um, delegate the money to the right places that it needs to be in it. And so we're kind of just standing back a bit, waiting. We're in major campaign phase right now, but it's it's a question of are we going to raise enough money to to create this yeah. physical space that's within the vision, or are we going to raise enough money to to start doing some of the groundwork now and kind of like. Um, have our feet to the ground, but but slowly. You feel me? No, I can definitely understand that. And um, it's something that I would greatly look forward to. And I believe a lot of people that are watching and that will eventually watch this live and follow your page and follow my page, they're going to be so excited for. And I think when I went, so I went to Roehampton University and... Um, mm, that's what my brother was. Yeah, and it's 55% BAME, if I remember off the top of my really? head. People might have to... Um, Double, I might have to double check that, but um, I suppose in my head, right, when I went, I went for my studies and it didn't really bother me. I remember I, I saw a counsellor, um, my counsellor was white, then I saw a black counsellor, and I'm sure both you and I are going to agree again that um, having a black counsellor, for example, makes a world of difference simply because they're a cultural mediator. They're someone that can somewhat understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And for our community that um, is, high, is more predisposed to issues such as mental health, how important do you think it's going to be to have provisions at your university for mental health? Mm, it's, it's majorly important. Like, there's, a, there's a pandemic of, of black student mental health across the country. Um, and it's, it's a difficult one. It's actually, one sec, someone just asked a donation link. It's in the Free Black Uni um, uh, bio if you want to check that out um but yeah it is 
it's 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 a it's a real issue but then like when you start adding deeper nuances to 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 the identities and to the conversation it becomes very very difficult because we have like black students but black students that are trans or black students that like are queer and then they may go to a counselor that doesn't have any like which has been my experience doesn't have any understanding of that particular experience they may be they may be the same race as you but it it goes deeper than that in it and it it can sometimes even be more than they don't have understanding of that experience they don't even they 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 might not even rate that experience you feel me and so that's why we believe it's so integral right now to create such a space that centers like truly truly centers from its heart like the most marginalized of black folk and doesn't think of like queer black folk or um, disabled black folk or um, black women as like an afterthought. We think of these people as the absolute center of all the work that we do, including the healing work that we do. And another aspect of healing and like mental health and stuff is that we don't want to take just the traditional kind of Western approach to like psychology right now, innit? And we want to open up a space that allows people to explore healing through pre-colonial traditions, but not pre-colonial traditions through like this masculinist, like whole temporary frame, through like a queer black feminist. <laughs> it's too much through a queer black feminist frame because there's so many, there's practitioners doing that work in yeah. this country right now. And it's so important for us to bring that to the community. And it's, it's one of those things that if, if, if you're interested, come through in it. But if, if it's not your team, then don't worry. But it's it'll be it'll be a very beautiful thing i think and i wanted to move um with that point when you said um previously that you said in inclusivity is important and you're not if you're not with us then essentially you're not really here but and at the same time we want the community to move forward holistically to empower us all how could we or how could you know your project free black university ensure that no one gets left behind irrespective if they have views that perhaps no. may conflict I, with them. I, I know what you're asking. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I think that's my worry. Like as much as yeah. I want my community well, to move forward, you know, it's, it's it's a tricky one. It's one of them ones, yeah, where um the safety and like the respect of like black students that are at the margins is at the heart of of the project, but there's gonna, like a lot of our work is going to be open source. And so we're still designing like whether we're gonna have like a member space or whether it is just gonna be absolutely open source. And so if people wanna learn about queerness, if they wanna learn about um, black folk that are on the margins, black folk that are disabled, except like if they wanna learn about it, there's gonna be the space for them to learn about it, isn't it? But there's not gonna be the space for them to come into the space and disrespect any black folk that exist in those identities because then they'll just they'll just have to leave like it's not that space that's not the one and in that sense like whilst it's somewhat important to not leave people behind sometimes if people have this kind of this view that is like sexist race like not racist so it's sexist homophobic transphobic etc then it's not the work of queer black trans folk to 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 carry them along to hold their hand. That like, will put out the resources if they choose to listen. If they choose to read, then so be it. If they don't, that is absolutely none of my business. <laughs> yeah, and um, some some of the older generation, I suppose, 
even our younger generation, we're locked into echo chambers of some sort where to listen to an opinion that differs from ours is really hard. And sometimes we listen to things that only solidify our argument. And um, I think so there's like, a lot of epistemic value in echo chambers. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, <you> see. <laughs> and that is because I feel like this idea of like free speech and echo chambers is something that is very like um, prevalent in like Western, yeah, a Western understanding of how to have discourse, how to have debate. But I don't think it's necessary for for growth. It's not. It's I feel like when we have echo chambers that allows for radical thought to be to be fertilized to grow. Whilst when we don't have echo chambers, when we don't have spa spaces where people can people who have similar ideas can like let their ideas like literally blossom into something even more radical, then we end up like just being at each other's heads. Like I think racism is good. I think racism is bad. Okay, let's have a debate. Whereas okay, all of these people that think racism bad is bad, let's start thinking of how, how to build a new world in our little echo chamber without all of the fascists <laughs> at our door. You feel me? You yeah. get I feel like no, I on a deeper it. level, every single issue that, that can be replicated in, every single li little echo chamber has massive epistemic value and epistemic meaning in the production of knowledge. So the production of knowledge, um, it, it, it's crucial and it's key to what you guys want to do. But mm. is there a point when perhaps it can a radical thought process a radical knowledge production can go too far one way or another <laughs> it could, it's i feel like the current knowledge system has gone too far like yeah, yeah. The, the enlighten enlightenment thought like cartesian thought every everything that has made the modern world the way that it is it's is prevailed for years system that has that has gone out of control you feel me because yeah. if if it wasn't permissible within the knowledge system for racism to exist, for um, homophobia, for sexism, etc., to exist, if it wasn't within the knowledge system for people that are in the global south to to suffer at immense rates and us for, to to be able to like watch them on TV and not feel anything, like it's that's all in the knowledge system. That's all within the thought. And it's gone too far. It's, it, it, it's been going too far, isn't it? And that is what this project is set up to, to circumvent. Like, how are we producing knowledge that doesn't just further entrench this knowledge system or doesn't try and put plaster, a plaster on this knowledge system? Yeah. Like charities or, like, individual acts of, like, goodness. Okay, yeah, I'm going to Uganda and I'm going to change yes. the world now. Do you know what I, I mean? It's it. like you're actually I not doing nothing. absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're not doing anything that like you're not challenging the system you're just trying to make yourself feel better and so that's what we're doing we're trying to challenge the system do you know and do you know this is one of my biggest issues i think the issue with white volunteerism is i believe some people genuinely have a good heart but i think just the similar with what's happened with george floyd a lot of it is performative a lot of people love to go to africa or like to go to the darker parts of the world and simply say you know, I've done my bit for humanity, you know. I say I'm <laughs> yeah. not racist. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, it's something I could go on about again for such a long time. And I'm really happy that you've brought that up. Um, I think it takes the empowerment and the upliftment from our people to go out there and give to them what we feel could help them per se. And mm -hmm. I think it leads on to another question of mine. With the Free Black um, University, Will there be certain key texts that people now here on this live and going on to watch 
could access from certain authors that you would recommend? Yeah, there's going to be a whole library on a free black university. Is, are you asking if there's things that I would recommend for people to read? Absolutely. If there's right things you would recommend right here and now. That right here and now. I, I think this, this one is on my page. Um, we're on the Free Black Uni page. You have to spin it's it around because it's... Spin it oh, the other way. Nah, but it's like, what? <laughs> That's upside down, bro. What? <laughs> uh, to me, I can't see it. Wait, what does it it's, say? It's, cause it's reversed, isn't it? Because of yes. the... Um, it's called Unapologetic, a Black Queer and Feminist Mandate for Radical Movements. Like, this is a super important book to read right now if you're interested in like movement building and that kind of thing. It's on my page currently. Um, and then I'll say these two as well, which are also on the page. We got Frats Fanon, Black Skin, White Mask. Love yes. that. One of like the first books that I read that like really radicalised yep. me in a certain way. And we'll say Audrey Lord, Audrey Lord's Sister yep. Outsider. Uh, who's the author of the first book? Charlene A. Carruthers. But yeah, take a look on the Free Black University page. You'll see all of them in different posts. So like, for example, my favourite author of all time has to be Bell Hooks. Hey, listen. <laughs> like, if you see my Bell is a real now. one. Let me even pull up some Bell because... Bell Hooks. All about Woo! love. A classic, an absolute yeah. classic. Bell and Hooks. this one. Have you read this? Oh, I've read, I've, I've read all her books. <laughs> I, I've even read I her children's it. books. <laughs> this yeah. is a beautiful book. When I read Bell Hooks' work, I honestly think it revolutionised my life in a lot of ways. And it helped me as a young black male to address my trauma growing up with um, a single mum. Because my mum is a great mother, not to take it away from her. But my dad died, unfortunately, when I was younger. And it helps me to understand sometimes single mothers raising a child, it, it's hard for them. So I don't want to go too much into that. But Bell Hooks, I definitely believe revolutionized my um, life. And there's also Rock My Soul. I loved Rock My Soul. One of my favorite books. Yeah. Is that by Bell Hooks? Bell Hooks. Listen, I should have I should have put, put my Instagram live where you see all my books, but... Yeah, my library. Listen, there should be a competition with who can read the most books and disseminate the most <laughs> knowledge. Here, you know? <laughs> nah, exactly. And I think that's why it's important for us to just have these conversations because otherwise we wouldn't be able to have these conversations. And there's going to be a lot of people that I think want to learn, and there's a lot of people that are not sure whether learning would be for them. Um, so I wanted to ask you another question. So we know that um, the current university system or the current model of education is 9250 a year. And we know that um, it leaves you in debt, which is typically something that scares a lot of people. Uh, so from what I've read, free black university, will it be free completely? And will it also be a tangible way for people to gain an education to ready themselves for the world outside of the free black university, which can be seen as a safe space? <laughs> which can be seen as <laughs> you definitely right for the common sense network isn't it i see you i, yeah. <laughs> I hope that's a good thing because uh, I, I like to bring things from two sides of the coin uh, it's an interesting project <laughs> we can talk about it more um, but okay the world free black university um set people up for so essentially the long-term plan is that yes like it will pr provide an education whether we whether we will ever seek um you like 
degree awarding powers is another question yeah. because whether that will just taint the actual project. Um, in a sense of what, what prepares people for the world is, is a question that, that we need to ask ourselves, isn't it? Sorry, my mum is calling me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. What is, yeah. actually, what is actually preparing people for the world? Like, our current education system, in my opinion, doesn't prepare people for the world. Why well, it's absolutely it? redundant. Exactly. Whilst it may like get people a job or whatever, these people, we still live in a system that ha produces so much harm, and that's what the free black unit. We want to prepare people to be able to imagine. Like the free black unit has been set upon the basis of like black feminist speculative fiction. Like this is a speculative project. We are imagining something that we've never seen before. It's Afrofuturist, yeah. and so what we want to do is create a space in which people like this can't be like the the, the main project in it we want to create a space where people come and they can start imagining all of these wild things that they can do in in this world because you live in a world where your 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 vision can be so constricted like when i was growing up i thought there was only one route that i could go in it and then i started finding all of these other things then all these and now i'm here and i was just like this this should never have been my life in the way I grew up in it. I should never have been creating this project and going to Cambridge. Like that's mad. And even though Cambridge is just just another like just another thing in it. But it's more the fact that I'm I'm living out my soul dream in it, my purpose. It's 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 what it's what it's what makes me feel like I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing in this world. And everybody should be able to have that feeling in it. And in order to have that feeling, we need to be able to imagine beyond what we're told is possible and so yeah that's what we want to create a space where people can engage in like critical thought but critical thought through like deep imagination and through that that guise of like well through that that lens of um black feminist like speculative projects and afrofuturism so you want to be able to foster what we tell kids to be able to dream and put it into adulthood essentially Precisely, and, precisely. That's and, it's a, and I think kids are the best of humanity in the sense when you tell a kid that they can't do something, some kids will believe it. And then you tell a kid again you can't um you can do it and they might believe it. And if we can foster that into adulthood, that would be absolutely fantastic. And that's something that I would love to see put into action. So I'm honestly looking forward to it. And um I think some people are asking some questions. Ideally, we would want you to put it in the question box, but if you want to answer some of the questions, that would be amazing. Uh, I'll have a look. Um, in terms of other languages, definitely something um, along, along the process <clears throat> of this work. Um, maybe could apply for grants in order to make it free. Oh, yeah, I didn't even answer the part, will it be free? Like, everything will be free at the point of access. Like, that's the philosophy, free, free, free education like it's 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 non-negotiable definitely free to like the black community as well um we're considering different ways of like receiving donation especially from um white folk that want to support the project and that kind of thing and like what what materials we can have as fully open access what materials may need to be just for our members but our membership will also be free if you feel me guys put Books, yeah. Right, was there any other questions? I think I answered the questions. <laughs> yeah, ideally, just slap the questions in the question box because it's easier for us to access it. And um, I wanted to go on to ask you. So, we 
from I've read your work, from what's inspired your Free Black University, and I wanted to ask, what has your personal experience been at the universities that you've attended? Um, so, and I think a lot of people would love to hear that experience because you know some people, some of us have been to university, and others of us have not. Mm. Um, so I went to the University of Leeds. I'd done my master, my undergrad there, I'd done my master's and I started a PhD there, but then I decided that I'm a bounce. Um, so it was a mixed bag, innit? Like, um, Leeds is a fun city, innit? So I, I enjoyed myself for my undergrad. I enjoyed myself a lot. But in terms of like what I was learning, I studied um, philosophy and politics. And yeah, it was just hella white, innit? It was, <laughs> it was a mess. It was a mix up. Like we're learning about people who like, you man are literally teaching me people who didn't think that I was worth being human. Like, mm. who didn't think that I was, like, that literally, like, in their philosophy, they have the fact that, like, I am, like, sub I'm of sub-intelligence, I'm of distant. And I was like, this is actually wild. And to be one of the only Black students on that specifically philosophy side of my course was, was just a long thing, like, the the way that they produce knowledge, the way that it was done was so like harmful. And it was even a case of I had to forget things that I knew to be true in like my life experience to be able to write essays for the philosophy degree because it was like literally so white, so analytical, so like trying to come from objectivity, but literally I'm just having to deal with whiteness on a level that I've never dealt with whiteness before because of like my lived experience. So it was wild. It was truly, truly wild. And then after I graduated, I'd done like, um, I don't know if you heard like the Wise My Curriculum White Campaign and like organizing yeah. university. So I'd done a lot of that um, when I when I became an um, education officer at Leeds for two years. And then I'd done my master's, which was a lot more like I get to choose. Um, but then my PhD wasn't wasn't the one because yeah, for a number of reasons. And so I decided, let me bounce. What did you do your master's in, by the way? My master's was in social and political thought. So, like, so you, and um, you said you were able to do a little bit more of what you wanted, right? Yeah, because it was it was a lot more like because it's master's level. I can take the the basis of what they're giving me is still often like very white, very like Eurocentric and whatnot. But also because of where I was academically and because of um, the fact that in a master's you're allowed to choose more. I just done a lot more self-led study and um, wrote more about what I genuinely cared about, which was a blessing. But did they understand it fully? I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And I wanted to, so when you mentioned curriculum, um, for a long time I've worked in schools and I've always wanted to see a curriculum that is more wholesome, a curriculum that's more inclusive, a curriculum that's culturally intelligent enough to understand the needs of the children that it teaches in order to, you know, prevent issues such as racism and so on. And if you could explain to people, because not many people may know, but what was the Why Is My Curriculum White campaign? Mm -hmm. So that was a campaign that um, I think it started at UCL. And it was basically the, a campaign to highlight the whiteness that exists within curriculum design across the country. 
And so it kind of emerged at a similar time to Rose Must Fall in South Africa and then um, soon after Rose Must Fall in Oxford. And it was just a period of a lot of political campaigning, a lot of visioning around how do we transform education and just highlighting the, the deep-held racism that exists within, within our institutions. Okay. Um, someone just actually asked a question and they said, can you give us an example about white philosophy you felt uncomfortable with? <laughs> which, <laughs> which example? Uh, there's a lot. Um, but I guess one of the simplest um, examples, because some of them, it's not like they've just, there's, there's, there's levels to it, isn't it? But some, an example would be like Immanuel Kant. So Immanuel Kant is, yeah. the, um, is the person who's like credited with like, the the foundation like he's this epic guy he like our morals are <laughs> are very like Kantian within our society and he is like credited with the development of like the idea of like universal human rights and all of that kind of stuff and like how that kind of system um has been built up but then this guy was like super racist like a proper waste man like he I can't remember oh, there's a quote in one of his um books i think it's something of like the sublime or something um and he literally says that like he when he went to africa like because he was one of like the people that went and explored like many of the academics explored many of the academics at that time he said like africans have no feeling that rises above the trifling they have no um ability in the sciences or anything praiseworthy and it's like retro. <laughs> it was wild. It was truly wild. And it's kind of like, these are ideas that didn't just exist like in his own personal bigotry. Like, I don't believe that to be like um, a valid argument. Not, no less because he actually wrote it within like his philosophy. But this idea of the fact that he doesn't see like black people as human, how does that then come into the idea of universal human rights and ha what have we not unpicked from this idea of universal human rights because if human rights were actually universal and like we actually like took on this thing then we would live in a very different world Absolutely. and it's not this idea that we need to continue now we need to continue pushing human rights that like we need to continue like extending human rights and tolerance to these people like nah your actual idea is flawed from its heart even though it sounds good it looks good it's inherently flawed. Like, what next, in it? And, like, we need to come out of, like, this binary thinking of, like, it's either universal human rights or no rights. Like, what, what if we, like, kind of dismantle this idea of a rights-based system anyway? What, what if we start tra transforming our conception of how we build a society outside of, like, legal structures, outside of laws, outside of this, like, very basic idea of, like, punitive justice? Like, everything is up for grabs. So, would you describe because it sounds slightly anarchist if i'm if i can take a touch it's 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 abolitionist okay okay wouldn't necessarily describe it as anarchist that's i, I, I take that's quite a, quite quite a white <laughs> well, uh, philosophy. i suppose it's the language that i would understand and the rhetoric that i would hear and i think it's such a way of seeing the world that i think in a lot of ways i do agree i believe if someone's personally, personally bigoted, but they move on to, you know, the idea of universal human rights, can they ever truly be objective in their thinking and the way that they understand the world? And for years, you know, we fought for rights and um, have we really got anywhere? I'm not really sure. And that 
leads me to um, want to ask you, what do you think of um, the Black Lives Matter march so far? And how have you felt during this whole period? Because a lot of people have felt quite emotionally distressed and feel like all they're seeing is black trauma put everywhere. We had no Rayshawn Brooks um, also was killed by the police. So how do you feel about everything that's been happening? Everything is mad, isn't it? Like, one thing I will say as well about before is that I don't even believe that there is anything that can be objective. Everything that we're told is objective is, like, just the white cis man's point of view, isn't it? That's, it's just their opinion. And then what if, when we complicate this idea of objectivity, what possibilities lay ahead? You feel me? Mm. Um, and in terms of, like, Black Lives Matter, it's just been exhausting. Like, obviously, I was saying before that, like, I work with the... Black Lives Matter UK team and just trying to like work through a lot of these a lot of these issues and like how to respond how to build how to like be in a movement and try and like change shit like it's difficult isn't it when as a collective like we're mourning as a collective where like it went from seeing our people dying because of corona at like alarming rates to straight into um, police brutality like it's 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 a hard time it's a hard hard time like it's painful and like obviously I understand why everyone is on the streets but it's just one of them ones where like we've been fighting this fight for so long like how are we what 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 what's changing in it like what are we doing to like build um moving forward what are we doing to like transform the world because it it's it's gonna take more than like the police officers that that kill our people going to jail like that's to me that's not justice that's it's yeah it's it's empty okay um we have a lot of questions that have come in i think people are really engaging more so i'll ask one um how can we promote intersectionality when learning building i don't think i can how can yeah there we go that's one of the questions black history how can we promote intersectionality when learning and building our knowledge of black history slash black presence it's i think it's just a simple um how, how do you get it off the screen now <laughs> i think i press there you go okay cool uh, i think it's just like a simple question of like who are we engaging with in it like when when we're thinking about black histories what 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 are we missing out and it's like there'll be a lot of literature around like um the cis black man's experience but it's just a case of intentionally seeking out alternative works and there's there's a lot of them especially like the black feminist sport is is to me absolutely everything in it it's, it's the start the beginning and the end and there's so much black feminist sport out there queer black feminist sport trans thought like it's 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 dope like there's <laughs> it's just seeking out the right right people and allowing um, yourself to feel comfortable in, in, with engaging with complexity um, and that fear of complexity is something that is like put into our minds through like the western system as well isn't it because this idea that everything should just be straightforward you should be able to have a hypothesis and see like this real actionable goal like do you know what I mean like nah life is complex people are complex histories are complex and so engaging with this uh, intersectionality is all about complexity and being able to engage with it on that level the way forward i think utterly in the western way of thinking there's an oversimplification as you said things are so complex sometimes you can't put them into binaries it's not 
black or white. Sometimes it's gray. Sometimes it's blue. Sometimes it's so many other different things. That was a great answer. Um, should we, let's go for, should we go for two more questions? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, let's go for this one. How might the philosophy of Freeback Uni be brought into disciplines like natural sciences? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. So do you, do you want to take it off? Yeah, 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 as you get off now. <laughs> cool. See, um, so I'm not a scientist. <laughs> First, let me just phrase it with that. But that's definitely some work that we're going to start doing, like engaging with people that are in more of the natural sciences disciplines. But there's often been this claim of like the sciences can't decolonize because it's like just truth and my response to that is always the fact that like we take science to be like this all-encompassing truth in it like it's the necessary truth as opposed to like a contingent truth whereas my position is that all sciences whilst like there's a lot to be said about ethics in sciences and how that can be decolonized etc that's a simple argument but the argument about the actual discipline of science. How do we start seeing science as not like the only necessary truth in it? How do we start seeing science as one to knowledge production? And how do we like take it off of its throne? Because to me, that's how we decolonize science in a, in a massive way in it. We take it off of its throne of this is like the height of knowledge production. This is like truth. This is the only way that we can find truth and look at this empirical study that I just done. Do you know what I mean? Like, nah, there's so many other routes to truth and it needs to be put on a discourse of like, yeah, this is one route. And then there's all these other routes to knowledge as well. You feel me? Okay. That's a very, that's a gust. Again, I'm sitting here learning and listening. <laughs> so I'm like everybody else. We'll go for one more question um let's see who hasn't asked the question i will go for this one how do you manage being in academia and being true to yourself oh that's a good question that's a real good question um it's it's a difficult one yeah because i'm sometimes like it's because i'm i'm <laughs> i don't know how to say it because it's like it's a it's, it's such a personal question isn't it and in being true to yourself, like the the first thing is understanding self. And I feel like when a lot of us even go to uni, like we're little 18 year old, it's like, who is self? Like what's going on? Do you know what I mean? They're just like, and so how do we come to ourselves? Like, and for me, that's quite a, it's a, it's a personal question on like a spiritual level, on an intellectual level, on like an identity level as well. Because whilst I was, I was at uni is when I went through like all the, ah, uh, I'm gay, ah, uh, I'm trans, ah, uh, like, do you know what I mean? Ah, uh, decolonizing, that's a mad thing. Do you know what I mean? This is where I found out all of these things. This is where I grew in all of these ways. And so being true to yourself, like is having your own compass within yourself and being able to navigate back to that compass, however you may change, because like being, like true doesn't mean that you don't change. It doesn't mean that you don't grow and so on. But it's like when you find like your path, when you find like who you are, when you sit comfortably in your body, it's about figuring out how to, like it's about having that faith in it. Because I will still speak the way that I do. I will still present the way that I do. But I could go toe to toes with any academic that wants to go toes to toes. Like, do you know what I mean? 
and having that confidence, having that self-belief that regardless, you know that you're good in it. And I feel like when you're true to yourself as well, like things start opening and like people have to listen. It's by, like they must listen. It's like, how can, how can they not like, it's, it's so imperative as well as black people, especially like we don't try and fit into the contours of like these institutions that don't, that don't fit us, that weren't built for us because then we end up just feeling empty and, and leaving like feeling, okay, yeah, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to, but at the end of the day, if we've got a job and we're not happy in a job or we, we, we don't feel our true selves, we, like they, they position it in a way like there's so much to lose if you are too true to yourself or if you are, if you do behave in a certain way, if you do. but my position is always like, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, let's see what happens, you feel me? Like, so long as you know yourself, so long as you know the path that you're walking, nothing should nothing should stop you, innit? That belief. And I think that literally says everything about knowing who you are and you're strong in who you are and clearly nobody can tell you and you've grown in such a way that has allowed you to be who you are and I've seen your work and I think a lot of people here are absolutely inspired by the work you've done and what you're going to continue to do. And um, when I speak to people, it's amazing to just have these conversations because I don't think in my everyday life, I'd always meet individuals that would always, that would, that I, I won't meet certain individuals because of who I perhaps I hang around with or again, the spaces that I'm in and um we're going to have another live at some point talking about even more about yourself personally. So I think people are going to be really excited for that. And um, my last two questions to you, so I'll ask one, will be what advice would you give to people right now in the current political climate that they're in? And how will we see the future a more hospitable place for black people and for even for other races to cohabit? Mm. I think I'll have the same answer to both questions. And that would be to create space in your day, in your, in your life to, for quiet. And in that quiet to, to imagine, isn't it? Like the imagination is the most freeing element of like humanity, I think. And when we allow ourselves to like imagine beyond what is what is true what we see in our world like i was running a session earlier with some academics at a university and i i took them on this journey of like trying to imagine what whether they even existed in a university that was decolonized and all of those kind of things and i mentioned that when we were colonized when black black people were slaves this idea that slavery would ever end would be like radical, abhorrent. like radical. Absolutely, yep. it's like yep. you're mad. This shit ain't never gonna happen. And the radical imagination of our ancestors allowed our ancestors to to like to, to believe that one day their children would be free, or their children's children would be free, isn't it? And that's what we need to keep on engendering. We need to keep on engendering that imagination. We need to keep on fighting for our imagination. Bit, like go, getting deep with our inner children, innit? Like those things that we would have thought were, were, were 
like things that we even tell kids like you're mad you're stupid like <laughs> those kind of things those are the things you need to be imagining in it and where can our imagination take us outside of like the confines of like the harsh realities of this world and when we take up our imaginations what what is the bridge that we're building to get towards that thing that we imagine that'd be my advice <laughs> you know when you talk i feel so inspired because again I'm learning so much and truthfully, I can't wait to take part in the black universe and if there's anything that I can do to help and other people can do to help. I'm just looking forward to seeing where it goes. And I think it's the beginning of a radical future that encompasses everyone and allows us all to exist in spaces where we're not, first of all, we're safe and that we can learn. And as you said, we can, change the way that knowledge is produced from away from a western lens but into perhaps a more afrocentric and afrofuturistic lens and i think as malcolm x once said that don't be mad at other people for for what you know now you once did not know so i can just see how much you've inspired a lot of people on this live and um again i'll probably say on their behalf thank you so much for giving us the time to just have this conversation, you know, again, for being accessible, because I say this on all my lives, but not many people will take the time to just have a conversation, to disseminate the knowledge and to talk about everything that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to us having another live when we're going to talk more about yourself um, outside of the Free Black University, because I believe that's something people are going to really, really want to hear. So I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, again, thank you. I don't know how many times I've said thank you, but I'm walking away empowered. And I think a lot of us are walking away empowered. And I know it's only like an hour. And a lot of people are like, oh, you should have gone on for longer. But unfortunately, we've probably both had a long day. But thank you so much, honestly. Blessings, man. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. It's a blessing. It's no, a honestly, we've got to use our platforms for something positive as people, you know, and um, I'm just happy I'm able to learn from someone like yourself. And it's, it's just making me think. So the fact we've connected over Bell Hooks when yeah. four years ago, I don't think I would have said I would have read a Bell Hooks book. I wasn't even reading books at that point. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and just so everyone knows, we're going to have another live. We're going to be talking about the experience you personally have outside of the Free Black University. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving me that time. Ah, thank you, man. Thank you. And we'll talk and, again soon, innit? No, most definitely. We're right bang on time. So I'm going to finally go get some sleep. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling a sense of renewed hope for my people and for the world in which we're going to live in. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Blessings, yes, man. Blessings. All right. Much love, everybody. Sleep well. And yes, take right. care, son. Pure Please love. Him. Pure love. Uh... I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow, and make sure everybody gets to have the blessing. That is conversations. And remember, Flower Hour is the podcast where conversations blossom.